Amen. Boy, I tell you, if you've ever played sports, maybe high school football, a lot of coaches use the phrase, you leave it all on the field, right? Leave it all on the field. Well, I think it applies more to God's people because the world's our mission field, and we ought to leave it all here. We ought to hold nothing back, give everything we've got. Why? Because if we're following in the footsteps of our Savior, that's what he did. He left it all here. He poured himself out for us, and oh, what a privilege it is. Look, it's not a drudgery to give things to Christ, no matter what he wants. You know, we joke about the offering and tithing and things along that line, or showing up for church and giving of our time, giving of our, our interest. We, we worry about how hard it is. It's, it shouldn't be hard at all to give all that we've got for the one who gave all that he had for us, left heaven to come down here to live for you and I. What a wonderful song. Don't know if I knew that one, if I heard it before, but boy, I appreciate you guys singing that. It is our baccalaureate Sunday, and before we get into the message, that really has nothing to do with graduation. We'll go ahead and tell you that this morning. Just have to preach what God gives you. We do have one more order of business I want to take care of this morning. Miss Leslie, where are you at? Uh, will you come help me right quick? Uh, help me give something away. Uh, I told, uh, yes, I told Miss Leslie that, uh, yeah, you come around here. Come on up here. Come on up. And uh, she's going to help me with something. We have one of our teachers retiring uh, this year, Miss Christy Monroe. You know, a while back, you surprised my wife, uh, you know, and get us up here on stage last week without us knowing it, so I didn't give her advance notice. Miss Christy, would you come up here right quick? She's retiring not because your children are bad. She's retiring because she has a grandchild now and wants to spend more time with them. And we love Miss Christy. Appreciate her and Brother David. I mean, servant-hearted people as you'll ever meet. And Miss Leslie has something for you, uh, and I have something for you as well. I think you're going to like what I give you a little bit more than what she gives you. But let's give Miss Christy Monroe a hand. Thank you so much for all you do. We love you. I... I should have asked her to give a speech, you know, that always makes people feel uh, important when you ask them to give a speech, but we appreciate her. If your kids have had Miss, Miss Christie, she is such a blessing. She loves them and invests in them, and uh, I told Leslie, I said, we need to start doing this as our teachers retire, hopefully not like, you know, repetitively, but uh, rarely as that happens, we hope that we can honor them, and they invest in our kids. We don't pay our teachers near what public schools can pay them. They don't get the benefits, uh, a lot of things, a lot of their stuff is eternal. A lot of the rewards they're going to get is in heaven, and we thank the Lord for our teachers and all those who work hard. Tonight, we'll be honoring the Matthews, and they're going away service tonight. We're going to move that to the sanctuary, but John's going to preach for us, and we're going to have our receiving line in here because our duct work is not finished in the gym yet, and uh, we would all probably lose a few extra pounds if we went out there late in the evening. So that'll be tonight, and we look forward to that and look forward to just having a good time of fellowship with them. Let's take our Bibles out tonight, uh, this morning. It's not tonight yet. Uh, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, I want to welcome some special guests here on row 3 this morning, sitting by my wife, this is my mother-in-law and father-in-law, my grandmother-in-law, Granny, and my adopted Granny, Miss Betty, here. Uh, so glad to have them here with us today. These folks were all founding members of Bayou Baptist Church, Brother TJ Pastors, and uh, he said they were too much of heathens for him, and so he sent them down here today. Hopefully we could help them out a little bit, but no, I love them and I appreciate them. Uh, greatest in-laws in the world, I love them dearly, and Miss Betty, she is one of those members that every pastor needs a Miss Betty. Uh, always kept her pastor encouraged, always smiled at me while I was preaching, even when the preaching was bad. And if you need lessons in that, talk to Miss Betty. She can tell you it can be done. Doesn't matter how bad the preaching is, she always smiled at me and encouraged me. And boy, I tell you, having people uh, that help hold up the pastor's hands and be an encouragement or a blessing, and she's one of them. <clears throat> and I try to repay the blessing to her. She tells me from time to time uh, she'll turn on our podcast and listen to the preaching here, and it helps her go to sleep at night. And so uh, I'm glad to be able to be a blessing to her. I'm not lying. She did tell me that. She says, I listen to you before I go to sleep. And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> no. Anyway, I'm so glad to have them here with us this morning. And uh, you get by and let them know how much uh, you appreciate them coming and visiting with us today. John chapter 6, if you're there, let's stand together. <clears throat> As I mentioned, don't really have a baccalaureate message for you today, but I'm going to preach what God gave us. And uh, if you will smile and be an encouragement, uh, I promise you it will make it a little bit easier. Some of our young people had uh, a play this week. Was it Friday and Saturday had a play? And some of our kids did uh, through Mrs. Kim's uh, production company. Uh, and they said the first presentation the kids did and the audience was quiet, it was harder on them. 
And I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. When they're quiet, it's hard on you. And then when the, quiet, the, the, the uh, audience interacted with them, it helped them to loosen up. So I'm just telling you, I'm not the only one, all right? John chapter 6, look down. We're going to get in the middle of the feeding of the 5,000 today and going to look at something a little bit different than I've preached out of these passages before. But uh, I know this is what God would have us to preach on today. We're going to pick up in verse number 5, if you would. Uh, they're trying to figure out how to feed all of these people who are following around Jesus, and we know they were Baptists because they're hungry, and there's a lot of them wanting to eat. Verse 5 says, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come up to him, unto him, he saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. By the way, I'm thankful he always knows what he's going to do, don't you? Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. You know Philip was a Baptist because he's telling him what won't work, right? That's how you know we got Baptist people we're dealing with here. He says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. That's a lot of people to feed. The Bible says in verse 11, Jesus, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, watch verse 12, the red letters we're going to preach on today, Jesus' words, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you again for your word. And Lord, I'm not worthy to preach what you've given me, but I am thankful you've given me something to preach. Lord, I pray that, Lord, these words would be your words today and that, Lord, you'd help me say, Lord, what's pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that you'd work in my heart, work in all the hearts that are here today, both saved and lost. If there's someone here today who's not sure that heaven's their home, I pray that, Lord, they'd hear that sweet, tender voice of the Holy Spirit calling them to salvation. I pray they'd come down and be saved during the invitation. Lord, I pray for the saved today. Help us get this spiritual truth that, Lord, as they sung a moment ago, we might leave it all here, leave it all behind and sell out for you. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I remember when I was in Bible college in Bible interpretation, one of the rules that they gave us that I didn't forget, I didn't remember all of them, but one of them that I did remember is when God speaks up about something, we speak up about something. And then when God is silent or quiet about something, then we should be silent or quiet about something as well. It's amazing, as humans, we all have our pet peeves and all things that we like to talk about, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the things of God, if God speaks up about it, we ought to speak up about it, amen? We shouldn't be timid. I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill who said something along the line of, many of us are hunting mice while lions are devouring our land. Meaning we like talking about things that don't really matter. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I get just as guilty about that. I have my hobby horses in Scripture, things that I, I like to just really bear down on. And sometimes they're not things that are going to make as much difference in eternity as other things. But things that the Bible speaks up about and the Bible's clear about, you and I ought to speak up about. And you and I ought to be very clear about. We look down in John chapter 6 today, we're going to see something in verse 12 that Jesus spoke up about. Now folks, can I just give you something right off the bat? If you're not careful, there's going to be times in your life you're more passionate about the temporal and the personal than we are about the eternal. Could we agree with that? We have things that are personal to us, things that mean a lot to us, things that are really, maybe we're passionate about. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about things. If you're not careful, you'll be passionate more about the temporal and more passionate about things that are personal and neglect the things that are eternal. Yet the Word of God is very clear. Aren't you glad the Word of God, it's written on a fifth grade reading level. It, it doesn't take a genius to read because I can read it. Amen? Some of you are like me. You may not be the smartest person in the world, 
But you read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, it's the great tutor. Aren't you glad to have a tutor like the Holy Spirit? He lives in my heart and every time I open up this book, he helps me to understand exactly what it means. And then he draws our attention to things we need to spend a little bit more time on. Right now we're reading through the Bible together as a church and I hope you're staying on track. And as we read through it, there's a temptation to get our chapters in and move on with our day, right? Come on now, I'm not the only heathen in here. Get up in the morning and we're running late and you haven't had your coffee yet. Kids got to get to school and now it's summer break and you got to figure out what to do with your kids. You're not used to being around them so much and now you're trying to find jobs for your kids to get them back out of the house. They don't have to spend much time with them. And you're thinking, well, I just don't have time. And you fly through it and all the while the Holy Spirit wants you to see something. I'm thankful this is a living word of God where he speaks to us and shows us maybe things we'd skip over. And I think verse 12 has something we need to focus in on. Watch what it says in verse 12. After the feeding of the 5,000, now remember they started with just a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish. And the Bible says that after they had fed over 5,000 men alone, not to mention how many others were fed there, the Bible says they had a command from Christ in verse 12. Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Now here's what's interesting. You read the other Gospels and you don't find what you're reading here in John. You read where the Bible says they took up of the fragments, 12 baskets, but we see the motivation behind it is in verse 12 where Jesus is the one commanding them to take up of the fragments that are there. Now, can I just say this right off the bat? It really has nothing to do with the message, but aren't you thankful this morning that that's the kind of God that we serve, that he's interested in taking up the fragments? Aren't you thankful for that? Do you know why? Because you and I, before we were saved, that's what we were. We were fragments. You say, what do you mean? Well, a fragment in here is a leftover, if you will. Now, I don't, I don't believe that they were going around taking up food that had been chewed on already. All right? I don't think Jesus is saying, all right, hey, there's half a sandwich that somebody didn't eat. Why don't you go get it and we'll save it for later. That's not what I believe it was there. I believe it was the leftovers of the abundance that was produced to the miracle of Christ. And he goes around and he says, let's take up all the fragments that none be lost. I'm thankful that's the kind of God we serve. Because before I got saved, watch, I was a fragment of sin. I was a leftover from sin. Sin had worked me over, left me dead in my trespasses and sin, left me a prisoner, eternally separated from God. I was a leftover. And then for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Can I just summarize it for you a little bit this morning? To come down here and to gather up the leftovers. And I'm born again today because Jesus came to gather up the leftovers. Here's what I want you to notice this morning. Not only did Jesus believe in that, he wanted his disciples to believe in that as well. Because he's the one who commanded them. Verse 12, he says, I, I'm wanting you, hey, you gather up the fragments that remain that none be lost. Can I tell you this morning, if there's something I think the church fails at, it's being concerned about the fragments, the leftovers. I don't know that we have the heart of our Father here like Jesus would have his disciples in verse number 12 to be concerned about the leftovers that are there. I don't think we're concerned about the leftovers that are still lost out there in the world. There are people that are just as lost as you and I were before we got saved. And he died for them just as much as he died for us. And he wants us to be concerned about them just as he was concerned about us. But this morning we're not going to be talking about people. As a matter of fact, I believe this morning that when you, whether you realize it or not, there are everyday leftovers in our lives that God wants us to be concerned about. There are things that we are neglectful about in our life that he wants us to be mindful of. And this morning, I want to help you just for a few minutes with that as we look at this thought of finding room for the fragments. Finding room for the fragments. You say, what are the fragments? They're the leftovers. They're pieces that maybe you wouldn't normally be concerned about. There are pieces that are left behind, pieces that may be discarded and forgot about, but they are important to God and they ought to be important to us. Don't you agree this morning? If something matters to God, it ought to matter to you. If it, ought, if it matters to our Heavenly Father, it ought to matter to us this morning. And I believe these fragments are going to help us just for a few minutes today realize there's some parts of our life that don't need to be neglected. So let's jump in right in if we could. Verse 12, he says, I want you to gather them up. 
Why? Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Now, can I ask you this? What are these fragments? What are they? Well, simply put, here's what it was. They were bread and fish that God had blessed them with, but yet they had not used. All right? So here's God. He took and multiplied the bread and multiplied the fish, and they had an abundance of that because that's also how God works. God is a God that is an abundant kind of God. It is pressed down, shaking together, and running over. That's how our God works. That's what he does, and that's what he desires to do in our life. And now there's an abundance left behind that have yet to be used. Now stick with me. Now, although they had eaten all they could want to eat, there was some left that he did not want them to neglect. Now this is important. I don't know, but oftentimes uh, God blesses me. God does things for me. As he blessed and multiplied these bread and fishes that were there. And sometimes I neglect to use all that God's given me. This morning, I believe God wants us to find room for the fragments. Why? Notice this, if you will. Number one this morning, they were unused opportunities. These fragments of bread and fragments of fish, they were unused opportunities. Now, here's what's amazing. Even though they had gotten their fill and used all that they could use, and they had used all that God had given them, he still wanted them to be responsible for everything else as well. Now, if you're not careful, here's where we get in our life. We get content with what we have, and yet we don't use all that God has blessed us with. They just sang about it a moment ago, about leaving it all behind, leaving all that God has given us and all that God's empowered us to do. That we use it all to his glory while we have time. But here's the sad part. There are fragments of what God has blessed us with that we never gather together and take up and use for the glory of God. Now notice, if you will, he still held them responsible for it. Gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. What I love about this is even though they were fragments to them, Christ had a plan for them. Even though they looked at them as something that was cast off or something that was not very valuable, something they didn't want, something they didn't need, Jesus still had a plan for it. Now, I know what you're wondering. What was he going to do with them? I have no idea. He may have been going to have a picnic later on. He may have taken them and donated them to an orphanage. I have no idea what he did with the leftovers. But certainly Jesus had a plan for them because he says, gather them together that they be not lost. Now, here's the sad thing. God blesses us with life, does he not? God gives us, watch, everybody take a deep breath together, one, two, and exhale. If you have a breath, man, if not, just hold it in until the end of the service, amen? That would be bad. Fill the room up with all kind of bad breaths today. God's blessed you with life. Look, if, if you are here this morning and you were here last Sunday, he blessed you with another week. But how often do we not value the blessings that God bestows upon us? Do you know the life that you got this week is just as much of a blessing and a miracle as the loaves and the fishes? The breath that you breathe in your lungs, the heart that beats in your chest, that is a miracle of Almighty God. And God doesn't want us to look at it as a cast off or a leftover. He wants us to understand he has a plan for it. Now hear me out this morning, folks. This is simple, simple stuff. I believe one of the greatest sins we commit on a daily basis, it's something we grapple with, is not getting off into immorality. I believe the greatest sins we deal with as a Christian is things that we omit and things that we overlook. I'll give you an example. I doubt, I think there's probably little chance that any of you robbed a bank last week. Anybody? All right. Either nobody did or we have some dishonest people in here. And I guess if you robbed the bank, I would expect you to be dishonest. So I, I don't know. I guess nobody robbed the bank. A little chance you did that this week. Probably little chance any of you went club hopping. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands because I'm afraid somebody might. I'm going to keep looking down. Little chance that some of you lived in a moral life this week. Probably little chance in that. But can we also say there's probably little chance most of us shared our faith last week? We also say there's probably little chance you witnessed to somebody last week. We also say there's probably a little chance we invited anybody to church last week. Now you think about this this morning. This is important, folks. You may not have indulged in the immortal, the immoral, but you may have overlooked the eternal. You may have thought, I mean, tomorrow's Monday. If there was ever a leftover day, it's Monday. If there was ever a fragment day. 
I'm fragmented on Monday, especially when you don't smile like Miss Betty, all right? I'm fragmented. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, says, hey, can I come by the office? And I said, look, wait until Tuesday. I don't have it all together on Monday. I hate to give people advice on Monday. I don't know what I'm going to tell them. Why? I'm fragmented. I have tough days on Sunday. They're long days. I mean, I didn't sleep good last night. I mean, I wake up on Monday. That's a leftover day. But can I tell you something? God still wants you to gather up Monday. God wants you to realize that if you get a Monday, a Monday is a miracle of Almighty God. God wants you to gather it up. He doesn't want you to lose Monday. He wants you to use Monday for His glory. And yet a lot of us are already dreading tomorrow, aren't we? You're already thinking about that obnoxious coworker. And the spirit just got quenched. You're already thinking about that coworker who sits next to you and they're eating sunflower seeds. They probably smack the whole time they're doing it. I can't stand smacking. It goes all over me. It's right underneath my neighbor's dog. That's how close it is. I hate it. And you're thinking, this is going to be just chewing on the sunflower seeds. Spit them in the cup. I just can't stand that. And you're going to look at Monday as just a throwaway day. Oh, no, it's a gift from God. And you better realize this morning, Monday is not an unused opportunity. You better use it for the glory of God. You ought to be ready tomorrow morning. You go in. I told my Sunday school class earlier, you ought to walk into work tomorrow morning or walk into wherever you go tomorrow. Smile and wave, right? Smile and wave, boys. That's what you do. Smile. Why? Because I want to use tomorrow for the glory of God. I want to encourage somebody tomorrow. I have a little, a little note. It sits on my uh, lamp in my office. It says evangelize, encourage, edify. It's my reminder every day. I want to evangelize somebody who's lost. I want to encourage somebody who's saved. And I want to edify somebody who's in ministry. I want to do that every day of my life. Why? Because every day of my life needs to be used to the glory of God because it's a gift from God. Folks, I don't care how bad of a day you have tomorrow. It's a gift. And you ought to be ready to do something for the cause of Christ. I'll give you an example. I think it was on Friday night. I walked into Dollar General. And uh, we were out of Diet Dr. Pepper's, man. You can't run out of Diet Dr. Pepper's. That's a crime. I think that's in the Constitution somewhere. So I went to Dollar General to get some Dr. Pepper's, and I heard a little voice while I was in there that sounded eerily familiar to Miss Martha, uh, little Miss Martha Baker. And uh, I was like, yeah, I think that's her. She rounded the corner, and I'm not kidding. She didn't know I was in there. She rounded the corner, and in her hand was one of our Heart for the Hub tracks. She was hunting people in Dollar General. She comes around the corner and you, and she saw me and she goes, and she went right into it. She didn't miss a beat. She goes, excuse me, sir, I'd like to invite you to a wonderful church. I looked at her. I said, do they have a good pastor? She goes, I said, is he sharp looking? She goes, I love that kid. If I had another kid, I'd probably name her Martha after her. She encouraged her pastor. You ought to learn how to do it. All right, smile every once in a while. Make him feel good. Watch. She was ready. She was ready. You say, well, it's just a trip to Dollar General, but it wasn't a throwaway trip. Hey, it wasn't a leftover trip. She wasn't casting it all. That's just a fragment. I mean, I'm going to be a Christian on Sunday. That's the big time, all right? Sunday morning, that's the big time. Sunday night, super spiritual on Wednesday night. That's when I'm going to do the work. Oh, no, no, no. It's every moment that God lets us live. Our life is not a fragment. It's not a throwaway. It's not an unused opportunity. It ought to be something we use to the glory of God. That's what we ought to be doing with our lives. But we look at our lives like these fragments. They're just unused opportunities that we do nothing with and we stand before God. We'll have nothing to show him. Matthew 25, we know about the parable of the talents. Could I retitle that? Is that okay? You know, we call it the parable of the talents, but I don't know that it's really put in here like that. So I'm going to rename it right here just for this illustration. You know what we could call the parable of the talents? The parable of unused opportunity. Isn't that what it's about? What happened? One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. Now, those talents, do you know what those are? They're opportunities. The master says, I'm giving you these talents. They weren't a gift. They were to be used and invested and made more. So the guy who had five, he took it, he multiplied it. The guy who had two, took it, he multiplied it. And the guy who had one, what did he do? Went and buried it. Now, I don't believe he, he believed this, but, I mean, you're looking down. Man, that guy got five. And that guy got two. I only got one stinking talent. You ever feel like that guy? Well, amen. We, some of us are. 
You look down and you only have one talent. You think, well, he got five, he got two, and I only got one stinking throwaway talent. Oh, no, that wasn't a throwaway talent. His master would hold him responsible for that one talent. And he stood before his master and he says, look, I know, I kind of worried, I was kind of afraid, didn't know what to do, so I buried it in the ground. And what did the master say? I understand. It's okay. I know life is hard, and he got more, and he got more, and you ended up the short end of the stick here on the, uh, on the, the short end with only one talent. It's okay. That's not what he said. He didn't bode well for him. Why? He looked at it as an unused opportunity. He says, I gave you a talent. You did nothing with it. You wasted it. I gave you 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Listen to me. If you're 60, 70, 80 years old, you're thinking, well, I only have a fragment of my life left according to nature. You ought to use that fragment for the glory of God. If you still got it and it's just a fragment, use it for the glory of God. You say, well, I, you know what, I can't go and do as I used to. You can do something. So how do you know that? Because God still has you here for a purpose. Well, I can't preach and I can't sing and I can't teach and I can't drive. All right, there's a lot of things you can't do. But to the glory of God, there's a lot of things you can do if you look at your life rather than just a throwaway leftover and look at it as a precious gift from God. These young people... Everybody over the age of 20 can say amen to this one. These young people have no idea what they possess in their youth, do they? You guys have youth. You have looks. You just have youth, okay? You can go and do. You have strength. You're sharp. You haven't had COVID, so you remember things. Your hair's not falling out. And yet, watch these young people are unfortunately going to watch people older than them squander the best years of their life. I'm just a kid. So was David. I'm just a young person. Yeah, David was the youngest. He was the runt of the family. David didn't go. There's no way that I could be king. I'm just a fragment. I'm just the runt. I'm the end of the line. The runt of the litter. Can I tell you the Bible's full of God using fragments. The, guy, the, the Bible's full of God using leftovers, people who didn't think they could do anything. The difference is those fragments were his. Our problem is our life is ours, and we live it for us and not for the glory of God. You look down to verse number, four, or verse number 12 again. He says, I want you to gather them up. Gather up the fragments. I don't want anything lost. All that remain, he says, gather them up. Now, I want you to think about this this morning. If you're not careful, you will become accustomed to excusing yourself from using what God's given you for his glory. I'm guilty of it. I can talk myself out of the will of God and obedience to God all day long. I'm guilty of that. Do you remember in, in Luke 10, we read about the good Samaritan, and, and there's the man who's been beat up and he's laying there in the ditch, and here comes the religious preacher. He walks along and the priest sees the man laying there. He's half dead, he's beat up. It's obvious he's not in a good way. He looks down, the Bible says he passed by on the other side. You know what he just missed? Opportunity. There it was. Do you know I'll find myself complaining about the shape of the world. Anybody else? I'll find myself so frustrated in a checkout line. I'll find myself mad at a gas station, trying to pump gas, and somebody's got this music. And my wife is in the car. She does this. I'm sorry to tell on you, honey, but she does. She's just doing this because she don't want to hear the vile language coming from it. So this is just a sorry, stinking state we're at in this country. I'm not talking about Mississippi. I'm just talking about the state of things. And the Holy Spirit says, yep, and that's why I left you here. The problem is we see obstacles, not opportunities. That's our problem. You're going to get to heaven one day, and he's going to say, I gave you 60, 70, 80 good years of your life, but you treated it like scraps. You didn't realize that the leftovers that I gave you, the miracle of life that I blessed you with, I wanted you to use for my glory. And like the priest, you were religious, but you talked yourself out of stopping. How many times do we do that? We talk ourselves out of doing what God's called us to do. Why? Oh, you know what? That's just a fragment. Oh, listen to me. Were it not for the grace of God, you and I would all still be fragments. Very fragmented. 
The Apostle Paul says it's only by the grace of God that he was what he was. Paul was a fragment. And oh, what did God do with that fragment? By the way, what did the widow who had two mites do with that fragment? Mark chapter 12. Imagine if that woman would have said, all I've got is two measly mites. That's all I got. Man, those guys are dropping in bag loads of money. The Bible says Jesus sat over the treasury, and he's watching. And they went up in their riches, and they're depositing their riches. And then here comes a little widow woman with just two mites. I would call that a fragment. Very little to offer. The Bible says she goes up there, and she gives God her fragments. Gave it to him, and he says, that woman is given more than everybody else combined. You look at your life, and you've got two mites, very little. My question is, what are you going to do with what God's given you? Maybe it's a very little talent. Maybe it's a very little time. He looked at these bread and these fishes that are here in verse 12. He says, gather them up. Why? They were unused opportunities. They were something that could be used in a plan that he had. So is everything that God has given us. Number one, I believe he gathered them up because they were unused opportunities. Number two, I want you to notice what he says. Gather up the fragments that remain, that remain. Why else was Jesus interested in these fragments? Well, I'll give you the second thing. They had already eaten. They didn't need any more. Have you ever eaten that much? (laughs) Amen. Come on now. That was an easy amen. All right? Sometimes you sit back and you're trying to, to, to recognize, is that doctrine or not? I'm not sure. Should I amen there? Look, eating more than you should and getting full, that's an easy amen. We're all guilty of it. All right? So they had eaten all that they needed, and yet the Bible says there remained some that were left. Now, you know what they could have said? I've got all I need. Leave the rest behind. Stick with me. I've got all I need. I mean, I ate. Have you ever eaten so much that you're afraid to move? Brazilian steakhouse. Amen. We don't have one around here, do we? We need one. One of you young men, open one. And give your pastor a discount when he comes, okay? You're full. You're like, I can't eat anything. No, 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 no. The guy comes around the Brazilian steakhouse with the meat and he holds it out. You're like, no, no. If I eat anymore, I'm going to be sick. I can't handle it. I've got all I need and here's what you do. You pass the rest. Now, I believe that's how we look at our fragments sometimes. Number two, notice, they were unneeded extras. They were unneeded extras. Stick with me, all right? If you're not careful as a Christian, you'll adopt this attitude that you've got all that you need and you don't want any extra. That, hey, wait a minute, I got saved, I got born again, I'm on my way to heaven, I can't lose my salvation. How wonderful it is to know that I cannot go to hell. That's wonderful, isn't it? And you're like, all right, now that I got my fire insurance, I don't need any more. But he says, gathered all the fragments. He says, I have blessed you with so much more than you needed. Gather up all of those fragments. Hear me out this morning, folks. If you're not careful, you're going to get saved, you're going to get settled, and then you're going to get surprised when Jesus comes. You're going to get saved, you're going to get born again, and your home is in heaven, your name is written down, and then you're going to do what most Christians do. You're going to settle down. I'm good. I got what I need. I'm good. Meanwhile, God has so much more than just salvation for us. I don't need that. I'm good. I got all that I need. Yesterday, I went and opened the breaker box on my house. It's on the outside of my house. And I was checking a breaker. And when I opened the box, there was a lizard living in there. And it was obvious by his behavior that he wasn't expecting me to open the box. That lizard went berserko in this box, and I couldn't tell what it was. My wife's family's in town. All I say is I hope they weren't watching. Because if you were watching, you thought either I got electrocuted or got in the spirit at the end of my house as that lizard ran laps around the electrical box and then jumped out. I couldn't tell if it was a snake, a wookalar. I didn't know what it was, but there was something in that box jumping out at me, and it scared me to death. What happened? I mean, here he is, and they're just living his life, you know, living his best life in my electric box. And all of a sudden, I open it up, man, and I caught him by surprise. I believe that's how it's going to be when Jesus comes back. One day, Jesus is going to pull back the the cover of heaven, 
and he's going to look down here and call us home. And yes, you got saved, but unfortunately, you got too settled. You never did anything else for Christ, and you're going to be surprised when he shows up. But it's going to be too late then to gather up the fragments. God said there was so much more that I offered you. Oh, I'm so thankful God gives us more than we need, aren't you? I mean, not only does he save our soul, give us a home in heaven, then after we get saved, we get to grow in the Lord. Matter of fact, look down, if you will, to verse 35. I want to show you something. John 6, 35. What did he say? Red letters, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. I am so thankful today that I have received the bread of life. And I'm thankful that my soul never hungers again for salvation. But do you know God offers you way more than salvation? What does he say? 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A lot of us, listen, we got saved and closed our Bible. We walked through the Romans road. Okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? All right, got saved. And that's the last time we gathered any fragments. He says, oh no, there's more. I know you're filled, and I know I gave you everything you need, but there's more I want you to gather up. I believe this morning there's so many of us, we look at the graces that we can grow in as a Christian, and they're unneeded extras. Do you know why? It's because this morning we don't want our lives to change very much. We got saved, we have our Christianity, but we don't, watch this, we don't want anything extra. Now, can I ask you this? Those 5,000 people, did they get what they needed? Yes. But he says, I want you to gather extra. There's more I want you to gather, gather up. What was he going to do with it? I don't know. Can I tell you, I don't know what God's going to do with you. But you ought to be gathering up all the fragments of what God has for you. Why? He's got a plan for it. God's got a plan for your life. There's some, hey, our young people, I sat down this morning, was filling out their Bibles uh, for our graduates today and thinking about each one of those graduates and where they're going in their life and what they're going to do. And one of the most exciting thoughts to me is the plan God has for them. I look at them and I think about, well, this one will be good at this, this one will be good at this, this one will be good at that. And all the things I could come up with are infantile compared to what God has planned for them. But you know what they're going to have to do? They're not just going to be filled with salvation and the bread. They're going to have to make sure they gather up the fragments. There are some super Christians that I've known in my life that I'm so thankful for. Uh, men and women of God that maybe you've never heard of, but they've meant a lot to me in their testimony and their walk with God. I sat down and I would talk with them and ask them how they became who they are. And they don't think they're anything special, which I think is also a grace of God, that humility. We began talking with them. It was really no big moment in their life. They just slowly gathered the fragments. Not only did they get what they needed, they went through the word of God and gathered up what the Bible says they could have. I think this morning there's too many things we look at as fragments. You know what? I got what I need. I don't need, here it comes, faithfulness. I don't need that fragment. I'm saved. I'm on my way to home. Heaven, I don't have to be faithful. Sanctification. That's a pretty big fragment in there. You say, well, I got salvation. I don't need to worry about this sanctification thing, that my life would grow to become more like Christ. Can I tell you, that's a fragment you ought to gather. Why? Because it's a fragment he's offered to us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We could not be sanctified. We couldn't be separated either. Now because of what Jesus did for us, now we have the opportunity to have so much more than salvation. Revelation chapter 2, what did you tell the church at Ephesus? He gave him a list. He says, you've got some good things going for you. You've got some good things going for you. You have patience. And the church at Ephesus was a church that, hey, I wouldn't mind being a part of because they had some good things going. But he says, nevertheless, I have something against you. You say, wait a minute. God's just not satisfied that I get saved and come to church? No. He wants us to continually grow the rest of our life. To gather the fragments, all the opportunity. Look, every piece of bread, every piece of fish, that was an opportunity from God. Now here's what I want you to think about. Just about an hour or so probably prior to this moment, they didn't have what they have now. I mean, they had five loaves and two fishes. And now they have 12 baskets full. It's amazing when they were hungry, they'd have loved to have had that. But now that they've got what they want, now we just cast off. The leftovers, don't we? It's amazing. Right after you get saved, there's a hunger. 
You want more bread. You want more fish. I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of my Savior. But then, unfortunately, we do what all good Baptists do, it seems like. We cool off. and We don't put a whole lot extra on there. I'm good. I got what I need. Years ago, my dad and I were digging a hole. What for? I don't know. Probably to build character. And I needed it. Be digging a hole. And I remember, Dad, remember putting in a new septic tank? There he is back there. He hides from me every once in a while. We're putting in a new septic tank, and he has a trico now. But back then, we had a postal digger. And so he said, son, would you out there and dig that? I said, yes, sir. So I get out there. as a picture of me. I'm wearing a 1996 Olympic, uh, Atlanta Olympic Games hat. I'll never forget it because it was a trying time in my life, digging that hole, postal diggers in red clay. And I forget what happened, Dad. I, I think you tied into the old septic system that was there. And he says, you know what? We just fill the hole back in. Thinking to myself, all right, I guess I got half my character digging it. I'll get the other half of my character filling it back in. And Dad told me something. I think it was his uncle or someone told him years ago. As I'm filling the hole back in, Dad says, fill the shovel up and get a little on the handle. I said, sir. He says, when you get a scoop of dirt, don't just fill up the shovel. Get a little bit extra on the handle. And boy, as I was preparing this this week, I thought about that, Dad. I thought myself, that's how our father wants us to do. We don't just kind of pick through the word of God and say, you know what, I want this and I don't want that and I want that. God wants us to get a shovel full of all that he's offered us and not just a shovel full, get a little bit on the handle. Why? Because God's extras are great. Uh, don't you love it when you go to the, maybe you go to Wendy's for lunch this afternoon, you order a medium fry and they give you a large. You know you're living right then. You order an eight piece nugget and they give you a nine and you're like, whoo, that extra Bible reading paid off today. We get excited about chicken nuggets, and we're not even sure it's chicken. At least we know the fries are potatoes. Oh, can I tell you something? You get over into this, and you start gathering the fragments. Don't be just satisfied with what you needed. I needed salvation. I got it. I'm good. No, gather it. Why? Because God's got a plan beyond what you needed in salvation. If you'll just dig into it, you'll find something good. Before I give you the third thing, I want you to think about this Christian this morning. One of the hallmarks of the Christian life, for those that are saved, that are born again, watch, one of the hallmarks, according to the word of God, is something extra. So how do you know that? Well, he told them, Mark chapter 5, uh, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, he says, if someone compels you to go one mile, go with him twain. You know what he's saying? Show them a little extra. Show them a little bit extra. I know this is what the law demands. Show them a little bit extra because that's a hallmark of who we are. Here's the sad thing. The reason people don't want our flavor of Christianity is because all we got what we needed and we don't want anything extra. We haven't gathered any of the crumbs in a long time. When was the last time you got in this book and starting adding to your faith as the Bible tells us we're to do? You look up on the walls, you see our theme for 2023. Being ready, being ready. Number one, I'm ready to go to heaven because I'm saved, I'm born again. But can I tell you, I'm not ready to meet the Lord yet. Why? There's things to my faith that I haven't added yet. I'm, I'm still working on that patience thing. Some of you are helping me with it. Thank you for that. I'm working on that. Patience is a fragment Say, Lord, I got saved. I don't want patience. Just leave that here. Leave that loaf of patience right there on the ground. I don't want that. He says, gather it. I'm like, are you sure? I know a lot of other people who need to gather that loaf. He comes along and he says, there's a fish of kindness. Uh, kindness. I want you to gather up that fragment of kindness. No, Lord, I'm good. Stomach's full. I don't need anything. I'll be full for a while. He says, gather up the fragments. That's what I want in your life. Patience. Kindness, charity, forgiveness, long-suffering. Who wants to pick up the loaf of long-suffering? I don't want that one. He says, add to your faith. Gather up the fragments. Don't leave them behind. He says that nothing be lost. He says, leave nothing behind. Oh, that should be our goal today. That I'm going to spend the rest of my Christian life gathering as many fragments as I can so that I can be more of a part of God's plan for my life. Number two, why was Jesus interested in these pieces of bread, pieces of fish? 
Number two, they were unneeded extras. They looked at them, I don't need that in my life. No, he says, pick them up. Do not discard what God says you need. And then finally, let's end on a good note. He says, gather the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Then look at verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. As I read this, boy, the Holy Spirit boy, worked in my heart, and I got to this one if I got any of them. It's amazing at what was overlooked, unused, and unneeded, and how quickly it added up. Twelve baskets full. I believe this morning we're going to stand before God one day. I believe that because the Bible says we will. And only then will we truly realize the value of all of the fragments we never gathered. We left them behind. I didn't need that. I didn't need sanctification. I didn't need kindness. I didn't need long-suffering. I got my ticket punched. I'm going to heaven. I got all that I needed. And yet when we stand before God, can I tell you something wonderful about yourself when you get saved and you stand before God one day? You are going to be 100% spiritual. You will no longer have this stuff to hold you back. And oh, the terror in our hearts when we realized how we used to think and all that we did not do. And that those fragments, number three, this is it, and we'll let you go, they were underestimated assets. Underestimated assets. Oftentimes we come to church, been there, sat there, just sit there. Listen to a message, go to revival, listen to preaching. And got there really just to leave, right? A lot of times we get here just to go. We come just so that we can leave. And yet during that service, when the word of God was open, and through the preaching the word of God was proclaimed, God had something for me. And whether I leave with it or not, that's on me. You say, well, the preacher... Had, was not a good preacher. Doesn't matter. Holy Spirit, best preacher in the world. He's going to give you what he wants you to leave with. And we're like, I didn't need that message. That message wasn't for me. I'm the most surrendered, humble Christian in the world. And bless your heart for that. I heard an NBA player say this the other night after the Boston Celtics game. They interviewed him and says, well, how do you think that went? Well, humbly speaking, I'm the best player in the world. I'm not sure that's how it works. Like a preacher friend of mine said, his church gave him a, a button for being humble, but then took it away when he wore it. Some of you will get that on the way home. We look at what God gives us, and we're like, I didn't need that message. It's a fragment. I didn't need that message today. I didn't need to read my Bible today. I didn't need to witness today. It's just a fragment. I didn't need that in my life today. And then when you stand before God, you realize all the things you didn't think you needed adds up to 12 baskets full. And you realize, oh my soul, I have underestimated the time that God gave me. I underestimated the life and the youth and the health that God gave me. I didn't use it for his glory. Hosea chapter 2, you read a heartbreaking verse in verse 8. The Bible says, For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Israel did not know that God had given her all of those fragments. And they took it and they used it for Baal. Can I ask you this morning, what are you doing with your fragments? What are you doing with your fragments? You say, well, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. My belly is full. I'll never hunger. I've eaten of the bread of life. Wonderful. What about the fragments? What are you supposed to be gathering right now? He says, all that remains, and here's a book full of all that remains. He says, I don't want anything to be lost. You don't need to, look, when you stand before God, you don't want anything to be lost. You want it all to be there. You want it all to come together so that you have something to lay at the feet of Jesus. And yet I think what we're going to have a lot of is just loss. A lot of loss. Why? We didn't gather the fragments. Verse 12, Jesus shows us, watch, gather the fragments. Why? You're underestimating the fact that they are assets. As Christians, I think we underestimate the cumulative power of neglect. 
I don't need that today. I don't need that tomorrow. I don't need that on Wednesday. I don't need that on Thursday. And after a while, all those fragments that you neglected, 12 baskets full. I read a statistic the other day. It scared me to death. If you drink one extra Coke a day, you know a Coke is like a Sprite, root beer. You know that? Right. This is the South. Everything's a Coke. If you drink one extra Coke a day for one year, it can add 15 pounds of weight on you. And all God's people said, amen. You get to the end of the year and you're like, good night. All those Cokes added up. They do. But all that neglect adds up too. The sad thing is when we get to heaven, it's too late to realize all of those fragments were opportunities. You know, today, watch, the word of God's been opened, the word of God's been preached, and the Holy Spirit has spoken. You're about to decide what you do with today's opportunity. If you sit back and you're like, I'm ready to get out of here, it's time to go. It's 1221 in case you wanted to know. I got to go home. I got to go get some chicken. You know, I got to go get Brother John a present for tonight's going away thing. I, just, you know, I don't have, and you're going to look at this service as a fragment. I got what I needed. All right, I'm going to go. And you're going to leave behind what he told you to gather. Now, I don't know what he told you to gather. I don't want to know. But I promise you the Holy Spirit of God's going to show you something. Whether you put it in your basket or not, it's up to you. He gives you an opportunity. What are you going to do with it? This morning, you may be here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you, that is one thing you cannot afford to miss. And that's the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know the Christians are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? The Bible says that the lost will also stand before the great white throne of judgment. You're going to stand in front of him. And can I tell you what you will remember if you do not accept Christ as your Savior? You'll remember this day where the preacher preached a little bit long, talking about bread and fish, and you didn't take the opportunity. That bread of life is offered freely to you. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Listen, he will save you, the Bible says, to the uttermost, but you've got to receive him. Are you saved today? Don't look at this service as just another unused opportunity. Christian, don't look at this service today as another unneeded extra. I didn't need that today. That's just kind of extra. I'm saved. Oh, no, God's got something for you because one day you're going to realize you underestimated the assets that God offered to us that we said no to. So one more time, I'll ask you this and we're done. What are you doing with your fragments? What are you doing? Are you gathering what God says gather? If not, why don't we work on that right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our pianist is going to come. Can I ask you this question real quick? Please give me your undivided attention. This is important. We're talking about eternal things. If you died right